Nightmare Hardcore Radio, exploring the world's best hardcore punk and all the various subgenres. For the next two hours we will enter a world apart from the rest. The time is now. What's up with that? Let's start jamming. What's up? You're listening to episode 97 of Dead Air Hardcore Radio. We're a two-hour program focusing on new hardcore punk and all the adjacent genre um, that revolves around hardcore music. Mainly just uh, focusing on as much new stuff as possible. We also usually talk to uh, a band, highlight one, and uh, interview them. And we just do the damn thing. We're very simple. We're a radio show slash a podcast. And we like what we like. Um, this is my hardcore show. There are many like it, but this one is mine. So today um, we're going to talk to members of The Scattering, which is a uh, metallic hardcore band from Reno, Nevada. They put out um, a LP self-released titled Sinking, and uh, we're going to play some songs from that in a little bit and uh, and just talk to the band about uh, hardcore politics and everything in between. But we started this off with a band called Zulu from L.A. 
if you haven't listened to their Our Day Will Come record, um, it's very, very good. Uh, we played 52 Fatal Strikes. Um, it's a five-song EP. Um, it is a one it is a one man uh project in the vein of weekend nachos sex prisoner a lot of like kind of um power a power violence influenced with a lot of like um really heavy hardcore poured in there um 52 fatal strikes if you didn't hear that had a very heavy mosh part at, at the beginning I mean, at the end and throughout there's layers of a really fast, um, in your face, abrasive, um, power violence. So it's a really good, uh, five song EP. If you haven't heard it, it came out in October of last year. Um, I'm late to the game for this, uh, particular band, but I, watched their uh, video from their program show and they're the real fucking deal. I believe they, um, it's a one person band, like I said, and he gets friends to come and play, um, certain shows. I don't know how often, but, uh, it's a really cool project. If you're like stuff in the vein of, like I said, sex prisoner week and weekend nachos, I would a hundred percent check this project out super heavy stuff before we get to the rest of our program we're going to play um some more some new music off of triple b records hailing from florida we got eco strike they have a new lp that's going to be out july 24th on triple b believe you can uh, pre-order right now the record's gonna be called a truth we still believe and uh, we're going to play together um, the newest single off of that. And definitely um, where there was some some late 90s um, metalcore vibes within the vegan straight edge. Or I believe at least straight edge. I don't I forget if it was vegan straight edge. I I kind of uh, forgot. I really do like Eco Strike. Um, I remember at the end of the Eco Strike Ma- Ma- um, and Magnitude show, I talked about this uh, a little bit on a previous show, but I was very, um, I was at my wits end. I did, I worked a somewhat of an EDM festival last summer and it and I remember, I don't know, I think I talked to, we had Ray on and we talked about it a little bit, but it was, it was a pain in the ass to be, to be honest. I was out in the middle of nowhere, no service and the show and the, and there was just a lot of logistical problems with it, with a um, festival in the middle of the woods um, connected to a river on somewhat of a, like connected to private property as well. So long weekend, really tired lots of drugs that I didn't take. And then I just remember um, saying the word straight edge and the rest of the band said straight edge. And I said straight edge again. And other people started just going down the line saying straight edge and damn, I love being straight edge. So there's a lot of, there's a more like um, 
mid two thousands, um, a little bit of a more um, melodic hardcore, a little bit of a of a, I would say a. Uh, there's there's some of there's some of a of a go it alone, um, carry on feel with this uh, new song. You decide for yourself. This is together by Eco Strike. You're listening to Dead Air, two hours of hardcore radio. We'll be right back. This is Dead Air Mashup telling you to check out the brand new Dead Air website now. Go to deadairhardcoradio.com for all podcasted shows as well as news reviews and content you can't get anywhere else. Go now or feel the wrath of my cold hard robotic legs been kicking you straight in the face.
we're back. We're going to quickly get into our uh, interview in just a second. But uh, before that, after that Eco Strike uh, song from the top, we uh, played a new track from Starving Wolves um, from Texas, Never Touch the Ground. First time listening to the band. Band's been around since uh, 2015. They kind of play a more um, the unseen and casualties style of uh, of Mohawk um, punk that I don't normally tend to listen to. But when I when I uh, listen to this track, I definitely uh, kind of fell for the production, uh, the catchy the catchy lead, and um, the real punchy rhythm guitar that kind of tied together that reminded me definitely has like a, like I said, some stuff um, like more early two thousands um, style of like from the unseen and, uh, and overall production and so- sounding a little bit um, like some later comeback kid uh, material, but uh, check out true fire. I definitely, um, definitely was surprised by this track. Um, I know some people uh, may not be on the same vibe as I am, but I definitely I play catchy shit when I hear catchy shit, and this is some catchy shit. So check out Starving Wolves from Austin, Texas, if you haven't before. After that, we played Brain Cave with uh, with their song Nightwork. Um, Brain Cave's from Cleveland, Ohio. And this was self-submitted. Um, song is the Nightwork is on there record titled stuck in the mud um self-proclaimed kind of has um post-hardcore um melodic hardcore a little hardcore adjacent um vibes to it with a overall kind of rock feel um from what i've seen uh jonathan from torch helped uh jonathan um from Torch helped uh, mix the record and uh, gave instruction, help help them kind of uh, lay lay a little bit of groundwork. Um, so, and I can definitely hear that kind of the Torch kind of um, hard rock style in some of these in some of these songs. So, ch- so check out uh, check out Brain Cave. The uh, LP is out now on Bandcamp. Give it a give it a listen, and uh, maybe even buy a cassette. All right, we're gonna play a track from Scattering and get into the interview in just a minute. This is American Horsepower. You're listening to Dead Air Two Hours of Hardcore Radio. <laughs> Yeah, I can't just go. 
Welcome to the show. We have uh, our guests uh, from a band from Reno, Nevada, called The Scattering. We got two of the members right here. So I'm going to let them uh, introduce themselves and what they each do in the band. Go ahead, guys. Uh, I'm Jim. I do vocals and write most of the lyrics. I am Rosh. I play bass. All right. Give us the give us the short and sweet of Scattering. Uh, the record syncing came out April april 1st right it did yeah and is this the first recording or is this or do we have some stuff prior to this so this is the first full length um there's two eps and then just a single that came out before um but i think this is the First thing with this particular lineup, uh, we've, we've went through some pretty dramatic lineup changes before we found Rosh. He's our fourth or fifth bass player. And in my mind, the band wasn't really complete until he joined. I, I feel like everything that happened pre-Rosh almost doesn't count. And then, uh, so the band's been together for roughly uh, six years. Um, let's uh, Let's just talk about your each of your uh kind of your hardcore resumes uh if if you have been uh in any bands prior or um just your overall like influence um that has got to you to this point um what is that so i've i've been involved in hardcore since I don't know, the mid to late nineties, either in bands or booking shows. I've been in a laundry list of bands nobody's ever heard of. Um, but primarily just as a local booker. Um, so I, uh, this is actually the first hardcore band I've ever been in. Um, I was in a band for a while. It was just like a punk band, not really anything hardcore. It was called Infecto Skeletons. And that was actually the first time I've ever actually played in a band. Um, but other than that, I just kind of grew up listening to a lot of punk and hardcore for like first or second band this is a this is definitely if this is anybody's first or second band this is a great effort um because it's it's very well put together um it's thank you the the sinking right thank you oh absolutely uh sinking record is Definitely one of my favorite releases I've heard in 2020, specifically post quarantine. I know there hasn't been like a ton of releases, but this definitely this definitely sticks out. Which also the question stands: if this uh, would have uh, where this would be 
on other people's lists if you were able to actually go out there and tour and put yourselves out there because i definitely know that's a that's a problem probably for some bands who have a trouble not being as visible uh on the internet and because some people are louder on the internet than others but uh i definitely think this is underrated as far as the other releases that i've heard in 2020 it also may have to do with just the where you guys lie geographically specifically in the united states there are there are a bunch there are a few standouts from reno but i feel like those standouts come in my mind from where i've uh been in washington like they'll they'll come out and grab you and then you forget then you you tend to forget about Reno, at least from where I stand. So let's just talk about Reno. So has everybody has everybody in the band lived in the area? Like for most of their lives, there are a lot of people have uh who who's a Reno resident who's uh, been there their whole lives? Uh I'm a Reno native. I I honestly don't know about I mean, I know Ross. I know where other places he's lived, but I don't know about Brian or Jason, which is weird. I should probably know that. Do you do you know any of those, Rosh? I I don't. I don't think I've ever we've ever heard him talk about it. I've never. I, I feel like Brian is a Reno native, but I might be wrong about that. I both Brian and Jason are uh, Brian Boyton, our drummer, and Jason Joe, our guitar player, have been huge parts of the Reno music scene for forever. Um, they've been in a ton of bands that that did a lot. You know, a lot of touring, a lot of recording, um, and so actually, as as far as like hardcore pedigrees go, they carry a lot more of that load than than Ross or I. Um, but I think I think we're all pretty just definitively Reno music kids. I actually wasn't born here, but I consider myself a native. I've lived here for twenty years and grew up here. Uh, it kind of came up through this. Yeah, for me, like, I think uh, my this was one I probably wouldn't have got on. I wouldn't have caught on right away if it wasn't for a friend. Um, one of my friends up here, um, MJ, who lives in Tacoma, who's in the band Wake of Humanity, who also he love Wake of Humanity. He's he's definitely uh, advocated for your band quite a lot up here. Um in any way he he can and he doesn't he has he doesn't um also i trust him because he's one of those people who doesn't just say this rules this rules he's one he's he's quite picky so he doesn't just throw up every one of his friends bands so if he throws up something i know i know it's in his in deep within his soul he this is a band he loves i'm wow that that actually means a lot. I mean, MJ's great, and I love Wake of Humanity. They're they're fantastic. I've traveled to see them. They're a fantastic band. Like I think it's very cool. Also, like I, I'm not saying anything uh, wrong about being like the you know the band friend who just who who's loud on on his uh, on his socials and promoting all his friends' bands. I think that's cool as hell. And if you're listening. Please keep doing that. There's just like a few people that I know who are very selective about what they uh, what they decide to put on their thing. They don't just 
share it because it's a friend's band. They share it because it's actually like good music. So speaking of Reno for, can you give us some insight of, of, uh, of Reno music pre uh, pre COVID for the outside world who probably knows nothing about Reno metal and hardcore that people actually the three bands that I've heard anyone talk about in the Seattle Tacoma area from, from Reno are fall silent drag me under because they used to come all the way all um they used to come out there all the time um right yeah and all the metalcore kids went crazy for arm for battle um right which is just aka just in for most of them it was just that one song um reno's got a pretty diverse scene it's not all hardcore and, and metal and punk like there's a lot of really great music from all different genres um probably my favorite like really actively touring reno band right now is dissident yeah they're um, super good yeah and they're more of like a crust almost like a black metal kind of a um thing and then a band I've been listening to from here a lot lately because they just put out a new EP is Piss Mixer, and they're they're, they're fantastic. I highly recommend them. They're on Bandcamp and all that good stuff if you're interested. But they're definitely more. I, I would put them more on the punk side of things than than hardcore or metal. Yeah, I would say that kind of that kind of speaks to like. If if you go to see if you go to Seattle, it's definitely we've we talked about it on one of the last shows. It's more of a it's more of a mixed bag these days. There's not a like there are like little sections of 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 hardcore and Northwest. We we still have a a good amount of like Northwest hardcore, but um, I would say within like Seattle itself, it's um it's a it's a huge just mixed bag of 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 random stuff. There isn't like one genre really taking the lead. It just, it really just depends on what time and what, uh, what time you decide you're in Seattle. The thing with Reno is that it's, it's a, it's a fairly small town in terms of scenes and there's only a handful of venues. So you get a lot of mixed bill shows too. Like we'll play with all different kinds of bands and, it's uh it's kind of fun because you get you get a different crowd reaction you know like we'll play with we'll 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 play with just like straight up and down punk bands or rock and roll bands um there's an artist here in town gina rose who does like acoustic almost country stuff and she jumps on a bunch of shows with us and drag me under and it's just it's a it's a different kind of scene because we're all friends or, or at least friendly across genres you know there's not like the weird little clicks that you get in some cities where it's just like you know you're all your hardcore friends are in hardcore bands and you know we're all just kind of musicians and we all hang out in the same circles yeah we'll like collaborate too because gina was on um gina sang with us on our seven seconds cover on the seven that's right that that came out really well too she did such a good job yeah, we were on a it's a double LP, seven seconds tribute 
album that was a benefit for a local all ages art and entertainment center called the holland project and the same label that put out sinking put out this compilation and uh, we collaborated with gina on that so she did the lead vocal on uh seven seconds cover with us that that's really cool it's it's just it's interesting to see because i feel like when you can if you if you can play with heart like some some hardcore kids if you can play with just all hardcore bands in your area that that's what you do even if it's the same like um you know five bands you'll do that and then you'll spread it out at least that's what i see here in um seattle and tacoma but like i feel like when something cool happens when you're somewhat um you know forced to think outside the box and that's not necessarily a a bad thing um because some people don't get uh pushed outside their comfort zones enough to uh look at all the awesome diy music that's surrounding them especially um some some newer hardcore kids um and I was like that too. You you get into hardcore and you listen to like, oh, hardcore is awesome. And then you you kind of get a singular mindset when you're when you're listening to your music. And for a while, you, I know for me and my friends, we consumed nothing but hardcore for a very long time, and that uh, is not always the the best idea. And that's usually the the kind of burnout mentality from what I see from a from a younger music listener so if they're already growing up in a scene like yours it kind of uh forces them but on the other hand also gives them an opportunity to uh kind of uh work with a different different creative minds yeah definitely and i think for us too i think because we're kind of like the cool uncles of the scene, I guess, for lack of a better way to phrase that. But we're, we're all older. We're all, um, you know, well out of our teens and twenties. And, uh, like I came into hardcore through metal. I was, I was a total metal head in, in uh, middle school and high school and then discovered hardcore kind of late in, in the grand scheme of things. I didn't really get into hardcore until I was, like 19 almost 20 and so i have a different view of it i guess because i still listen to a lot of just straight up and down metal and i still love that scene too and so I've, every band i've been in has kind of tried to blend those two you know just the the metal attitude with the politics of hardcore absolutely um and there's, like i said going back to like i've i've definitely seen that and, and some ends with other reno bands um i mentioned drag me under um code red was a was a not was definitely the not like that but there was always a there's always a cool a, a mini uh northwest uh reno connection in that way which makes it cool to which made it a little bit easier to pay attention to what's going on in reno um especially through those bands and those people we've had people move from reno to uh the seattle area because everyone in the west coast likes to move up here for some reason please stop right don't do it it's you're the place for anyone in in nevada and in california you are not making it you are so it might be nice to be in seattle for for some time but it's going to turn into 
the place you escaped from. If you're escaping from a certain place to go to Seattle, before too long, it's going to be that place you're going to want to escape from. I know that from living here my whole life and, and having to deal with lots of the hardcore transplants over the last 10 years is a lot of that's happening here now too. I think because uh, we get a lot of California transplants. So people are moving to and Reno. I, and yeah. People are coming from California to Reno because the, the housing was cheaper, <laughs> but now with the influx, you know, our housing is out of control too. Yeah. We're getting a lot of tech startups here now because stuff is happening um, in the tech industry here and a lot of people are moving in and actually down from Seattle to here too. a lot of the tech people. I imagine that because like with Seattle, um, there's not a lot of room, dude. If you go, if you, if anyone's ever been to the city, it's, it's definitely suffocating um, working there and living in living outside the city and traveling. It is, it's become extremely suffocating people are moving out of the city in droves it's it, the living situation has become hard and it's it it's all out. and with the the current like political climate um and the current events of um chop chaz i think the aftermath is going to um leave some people like kind of kind of at each other's throats on on one side or or the other of the aisle of how they feel about just that whole situation right yeah i've got a ton of friends up in seattle i used to visit really frequently and um i I honestly can't even remember the last time i was there um but i do remember like trying to go to wayward and get breakfast and it took me like 25 minutes to find a parking place yeah. And it was just, yeah, you know, like you said, it was just really suffocating and and uh, just overcrowded, and it was it was it made me kind of anxious just because there were so many people. Yeah, I have high anxiety too, so I'm like, so like uh, when I when I go there, it took me. I have worked in the in uh, the city for a, for a few years now, and uh, you have to get used to it after a while. Um, and I've, it, once you get it, you get it and you'll figure it out. But to someone not outside visiting, it's so like annoying for the first couple of years, I would have, I paid for parking, like to go to work. And I hated that until I figured out, um, other ways to, uh, to talk to, to network with people and figure out how, how I actually, survive survive in this city without going broke yeah i wouldn't don't move to seattle it's not a good idea i've had a lot of like in the last couple of years maybe uh i've had a lot of friends move yeah there's a lot of reno expats i think roaming around seattle and portland these days yeah i know i know a few if you are in in some bands um up here as well in some actually pretty active bands as well yeah, besides that, no offense. I love I love all you Reno and California friends. Just don't do it. Let's just uh let's let's meet up at Sound and Fury. Let's not do let's not do the uh don't don't move up. It's not a good idea. Move move to Reno maybe. No. No, we're, don't, we're full. Don't do that either. <laughs>
Yeah, it's it's getting crazy here. Like um, housing and everything else spiked like to the point where most people who I know personally who own homes, myself included, our mortgage is less than the average rent that you can get in Reno right now. Like I I I pay less, significantly less, on a mortgage payment every month than everyone I know who's renting. I know that's that's kind of the same with a the with a lot of places um here in the US depending on where you're living like I know there's places in um Washington south of Seattle that's that's the case um um that you might as well just have a house instead of rent cuz rent is is absolutely cr- like nuts um for the Seattle area like I, I don't even know how some people live, um, but let's go back on to uh, Reno and music. Um, I guess the last thing we talked a little bit about, like um, Fall Silent. I've noticed following them, they're they're almost like a Reno residency hardcore band because I've seen them just play in town and nowhere else. Am I correct on that? I know that they. They've had some lineup issues. They want to tour. Um, I, I think it just hasn't. Cause they had they had a few shows booked out of town, and then they lost a couple of members. Some of the newer members, not not the core members, and those shows had to be canceled. Um, so I, I think yes, your 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 observation is correct, but it's not by choice. Okay. That's that's why I'm trying to get the the Reno insider because um, from the outside that's what it that from the the observation from the outside without having any inside knowledge that would be that's what it looks like but because uh, yeah I mean they they definitely would like to do out of town shows I know they wanna they wanted to tour the seven inch and. Um, when the when the full length is, is out, I'm assuming that they're going to want to tour that. It just hasn't worked out for them. All right, so let's move on to your band. Um, it's uh, your sound has been described to me as dark, abrasive, metallic. Um, I would say there's very few bands that can pull off heavy music without having filler material and you guys have um for syncing a n- no filler within any of your music you know exactly when to uh when enough is enough you you uh you hit into those fast uh, metallic thrashy parts then you get then you get straight to a heavy ass moshy breakdown and you uh you call it good and i just want to know uh what where does your uh, inspiration and influence lie to uh, what is it? What's the recipe for your band? Um, I don't think there is one. It, it takes us so long. You wouldn't know it by listening to the record, but it takes us forever to write a song. Like we're so, we're so picky about everything and like we'll we'll go through and like overanalyze each part and so much stuff gets cut and thrown away and replaced um i i think 
because all four of us come from such different backgrounds and, and such different places, you know, if you were to ask all four of us to pick the, our top 10 bands, you would have 40 different bands on the list. Um, and so I think a lot of that is just each one of us trying to put our stamp on the song and then the, the end result is, is sinking. Cause like the, I can definitely hear that in a good, in a good way when you listen, when you listen to it. Cause you know, when you're trying to listen to review and talk about music, you want to try to pull, you want to try to pull a band that, or, or a few bands that you hear when I, when, like when you hear when you hear bands, I'll be like, when I heard it, I was like, "Oh, that part um, sound that part sounds a little bit like Cursed." Oh, that part sound, but then but then it switch off. Like, oh, this sounds a little bit more like Indecision or Most Precious Blood, something. And then and then I'd be like, "I don't know what this sounds like, but it's really heavy and good." And so I can kind of see where where that comes from. So I would I guess I would say this uh, is uh, the product of hypercritical writing and scrutiny yeah i think that's yeah and and i think also to a degree it's just that we we fully collaborate on all of the writing um it's not you know oh this this person wrote this song and this person wrote this song and this person wrote that song um you know and even even lyrically like uh american horsepower the lyrics were largely written by brian our drummer um and Raj has contributed if if not actual lines but like themes for several of the songs and then I just kind of riffed off his ideas so everything is a collaboration um which is great because each one of us gets to kind of put our voice on every song uh the drawback is that you know, we've been a song, a band for as long as we have, and we have like twelve songs. It takes us forever to write new music. Oh, it's it's not necessarily it's the worst thing ever because, like, that hypercritical style of writing really shows. Because that if it takes a while, it takes a while. Um, but I feel like I feel like uh, it is good in a way to be like consistent and try to saturate with a lot of songs these days with how streaming and how just like music goes, but like none, none of that can beat a, a, just a, a well-written record. It may, even if it takes the time for people to get ears on it, it's still a good record is a good record, no matter what. And this is, this is from front to back a, a, just a well-written record and you can hear the absolute just anger from the from instruments to um to vocals you can you can hear you can see it in the lyrics with with the very very um topical and appropriate um lyrics for our time um especially especially um right this right this second when uh, everything is extremely um extremely crazy and you guys like have stuff that are, that's kind of applicable to almost any time in this current in in this current age 
So that's one of the things that's always been weird. Writing the lyrics is you, you write a song about a current event um, and you, you think, you know, okay. So at some point we'll have to stop playing the song because it won't be relevant anymore. And uh, like, a perfect example is uh, Western Weapons Never Drown at Sea. And that song was about the Syrian refugee crisis. And it, over time, has become just about the immigration crisis in general. You know, and I, I wrote it about a very specific topic. And I remember the first time we played it, you know, I was just like, wow, we probably won't get a lot of mileage out of this song because at some point as a society, we're going to decide, okay, this is a terrible thing to do to other people. We can't continue to do this. And then we just kept fucking doing it to everyone. You know, it went far beyond the, the Syrian refugee crisis and, and became this, this multinational crisis where our, our country just keeps treating people of color the same way over and over and over. And it, it kind of breaks my heart that that song has remained relevant. Like I would have loved to at some point have just gone, Hey guys, we should probably just take this out of the set list because it doesn't make sense anymore. But it just feels like every year it makes more and more and more sense to play it every single time we play. It That's the same thought I had in my head. It's like, it would be a great feeling to throw that song away uh, to ha or like, or to have to not have that song be relevant. And I think that that shows, that shows progress. If you, if your song is something of great importance um, speaks to relevant, to relevancy of the times of things that are just gravely unjust and, then it's no longer relevant. That's a great, that's actually, a, that's a great thing. You don't want to have to have history. Yeah, that would be incredible. <laughs> you, you don't want to have, you don't want to have history repeat itself. Cause, um, uh, in, in a uh, trials record, they, they mention a bunch of wars that were happening and in stuff that was happening in, that current that current time of ninety eight ninety nine of um in are these our lives? But regardless, they could still play those songs, unfortunately, or they and they did before they stopped playing shows regularly because they were still extremely um, relevant. I remember, I think they talked about because in one of the songs they mentioned like Kosovo, Iraq, stuff like that. All Greg had to do was was um, replace it with with a with a current situation right now, which were almost the which are almost the same. So it's uh, yeah, not, yeah and <laughs> that's not a good thing. We, no, it's definitely not. We went through that a little bit too when uh, because we there's another version of Western Weapons that's recorded on our Bandcamp. And when we recorded it for syncing, I just changed a couple key lyrics and it, and it was 
immediately relevant, like to current headlines. And that's kind of heartbreaking to think about. Like I could write a song on, on the subject of just moral decay and, and human suffering and, and have it remain relevant for this many years. So the weird world we live in, I guess the ones I've been, um, because I've been arguing with people all over the place. I'm sure anyone who's listening, I'm sure you guys have as well has, have argued, have argued with people. Um, I know, uh, you guys posted stuff, um, about, uh, you know, calling out people who are, who are saying that, who, who claim to, no longer be a fan of your band because of the <laughs> things you say. And I, I know you've probably seen my stuff as well, because I'm like, I know that some of like, I'm a small, a small radio shows um, podcast. I know some, there's other small bands taking this stance, but I'm like, I don't care. I'm I from now on, like for, for, now until I die, I might this show it draws the line in the goddamn sand. I I'm not taking no shit. I got I got upset. Some dude got upset because uh I I had some a couple bands that were um that had uh fucking bootlickers and cop apologists and uh, blue line, blue line motherfuckers try, and I think an uh, an actual cop band with a police officer in it oh, try to try to, um, they they tried to submit to the show after after all the stuff I are I I've been posting, and I made you know I made a post and then a dude got really upset, and I'm just like. I I just don't care. Like I'm not I'm not falling back on this one. Like like seriously, Black Lives fucking matter. I'm not ta- I'm not like we can't um we got to take this day and keep and keep going. I had a friend um you know just talk about how scared he was about things slowly going back to normal on his uh facebook feed and he's like i don't i don't want to get you know um feel feel lost in this world he's my friend he's my one of my close friends who's black and he was he was just like i don't want to just like not matter anymore and just have this have this continual have this continually get drowned drowned out and just uh go back to the way it was. So and I definitely yeah. want to echo that that things cannot go back to the way they were. And I hope for goddamn sure that they don't and that someday in the future you guys and other bands like you can retire a couple songs. Yeah, that's the thing that I think is the most frustrating to me about not playing shows right now. And and it's also kind of why it was weird to me to get a message from somebody like, oh, I used to be a fan until you got political. I'm like, really? Like, because you clearly never saw a plot. 
Like, there's no possible way you ever saw us live. So you weren't much of a fan to begin with. Um, Did you and think- you, you've read the lyrics, Trevor. Like, I'm not pulling any punches. Like, there, it's all right there. Everything. <laughs> you know, what, what we believe is on that record. And there's no euphemisms. There's, it's just as clear as we could possibly be. And so what's really frustrating for me right now with not playing shows is... We are a very vocal band. We are very, we, we talk a lot between songs. We don't care if it bothers you. Um, and not having that space to make those people uncomfortable is, is so frustrating to me because it's, it's kind of fun in a weird way. Like we, we had a guy at one show. Uh, I told a story about one of the myriad of, of unarmed black men who was shot in the back by police. And this guy just stood there with his arms crossed the whole rest of the show, just glaring at me. And when we came down off the stage, he was just like, I just want you to know you my brother's a cop. Like, Fuck your brother too. Where do we go from here, dude? <laughs> Tell him to quit his job. Yeah. Don't give a shit. And uh, so it's been really hard, like, being as outspoken and, and political as we are as a band and not having, you know, not having that avenue um, to express that has been probably the most frustrating part of the whole COVID thing for me. And that includes losing my job. Like I'm, I'm way more concerned about getting back to playing shows than I am getting back to my job. I definitely, uh, I definitely feel that on, on the job. Um, I've been partly employed for this, uh, for this duration, but, uh, I much want to get back to, uh, to hardcore because I was like, things, Especially for anyone, it's like anyone who was, I was having a good time because shows were coming back to our area and things started to seem like it was going to come back um, in full force um, starting early this year with, uh, with a bunch of stuff in the Seattle Tacoma area. I'm sure there's other areas and other people who felt like, uh, their lives were moving in the right direction and uh or their scene was and uh yeah this all fucking happened yeah i think there's there's so much power in music um and not specifically hardcore not you know but but all music there's so much power and so much strength and it's it's such a shame to have the country kind of teetering on the brink of a revolution and, uh, and not have musicians at the forefront. Yeah, this is probably one of the most, I don't want to I don't want to say it in a, it's a very um, interesting, not in a good way, but an interesting time in just world and American history that, everything is ha- like kind of happening simultaneously and we're all trying to find a way to make this work. Um, 
and having no no idea what the future is going to hold like not e- not even close to knowing i know that there's been attempts at uh at fests and shows this year but i know there's some people trying to put together some stuff in the latter half of 2020 but uh i got no i got no clue like none of us have any idea and like you said at the same time a revolution is happening and it's hard to at one point stay inside and keep yourself safe and be aware that there's a pandemic but also but also at the same time doing your part and trying to uh further this movement to actual results and not let it get buried um by time and have history repeat itself so it puts us in in a in a interesting and not good situation yeah it's it's definitely a strange, I mean, I, I think my, my like nine to five job is directly linked to live music and uh, there, there's nothing's going to be happening this year. That's just all there is to it. Like, it's just not gonna, we won't see shows again until probably this time next year. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure of it. I know. So I saw a friend, a friend in Seattle. I won't call him out because I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a fucking cop. Um, they, <laughs> they, um, and I'm sure if you're in Seattle, you probably they 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 weren't very secretive about it. They showed a video. They did a. They did a uh, a COVID house show, and I. It was a very small gathering, but it was. Um, it's very interesting. I mean, do what you want, but I only think at this point in my in my humble opinion, if we're going to be close together, we need to be close together for in the revolution, not not uh not for not for somebody's yeah. not for somebody's birthday. <laughs> Somebody did like a birthday house show. Yeah. I know they that they had some it was an interesting thing to watch because uh they did um people were people were doing their best to open the dance floor for for social distancing mosh um and giving a, giving one mosher at a time so that was it was it was kind of funny to uh to see that and everybody was wearing masks and shit but like still it's not it's That's not cool. it's not worth it though at this point at this point in time I don't, and just, just my opinion when there's other things to be, to be done outside, if we're going to, if you're going to be, if you're going to be in a group, but that's just, that's honestly my my opinion to move on from, from that. I guess, uh, I guess that all that comes down to, I'm just going to get your opinion on hardcore accountability, um, what we need to do moving forward. There's a lot of stuff that's going on in um, on the Twitter sphere with, and, and, uh, stuff, stuff being brought up, um, with certain hardcore bands that is, that are disgusting. A lot of, a lot of, uh, modern hardcore bands, a lot of things that have been kind of, uh, I guess, I guess pushed away things that people did know, but then, but then they try to, uh, try to make people forget and think that, uh, 
that they can uh, come back and nothing ever happened. Um, I just, I just want to get your, I, your uh, thoughts on just like hardcore and what we can do better for like the accountability process of keeping um, abusers and um, just toxic people out of, um, out of hardcore. Cause it's, cause I think um, I, I, it's, I feel like hardcore doesn't do the, do the best job in this day and age at um, really addressing the problem and police and policing itself to get to, uh, to really, um, especially if, if you don't have a super close um, tight knit scene. I think, yeah, I I don't spend a lot of time on Twitter, so I I probably missed a lot of the specific uh, issues you're, you're talking about to catch Um, you up just to catch you up. But I think I, it's a lot of what was happening. It's a, it was a lot of what was happening with the, in, tw- in like 2016, 2017 with a lot of bands being canceled post, like when, um, with, uh, Jim from, uh, champion and then, and then a lot oh, of other bands okay. followed. And then, uh, the stuff with the members of, of, uh, bet life, uh, one of the members of bet life, I, that stuff, Somehow, yeah, I guess we're, we're probably talking about like some of the stuff with like some of the good fight bands, and yeah, there's that, and then there's also um, there's also a bunch of other bands such as like uh, Homewrecker. Um, I can I think uh, Vamakara is one of I, them. There's a few others, but that's an, that's another that that's another that's another problem with like the whole thing is like. W- everything is kind of so spread apart with information that the information is, is somebody will tweet something out and it, it only goes to sometimes a certain amount of people, especially people like for me in my thirties, like I don't pay attention to, to uh, Twitter as much as, as much as I did like 10 years ago. So I don't, I just don't, yeah care about it but i do want to know about the the information i do i want i want a better accountability process so we can figure out within our scenes to flush out flush out these people yeah i think i mean first and foremost we as a as a collective scene as a as a community we have to believe the victims we have to Absolutely. And I, I get so tired of hearing, you know, oh, well, there's two sides of the story. Like, well, she was 15, so there's really only the one side that you need to hear. You know, that that's not, it's, we have to believe the victims. We have to. That's that's where it starts. I think with the, with the Full of Hell incident in particular, just because that one's kind of fresh in my mind, I think everyone around the band handled that really well. I, I think the label dropping them immediately and, and, and taking their stuff out of the web store and all that was the only correct response. Um, the, the thing that is weird to me is, uh, to my knowledge anyway, we haven't heard anything from any member of the band. You know, And if, and if it was limited to this one member and this one member somehow managed to keep it a secret from the rest of the band, why hasn't the rest of the band come out and immediately said, yo, we didn't know about this. We are against this. We stand with the victims. 
you know, fuck our former bandmate. But we haven't seen any of that. So that, to me, at least implies that they were aware. And so it's, it's this kind of, you know, are you, are you, are you sorry for what happened or are you sorry you got caught? And, and I think that's where a lot of those situations end up in hardcore is just like, you know, even from the outside, you know, you, you see a lot of the, the fans or whatever, like, Oh, it sucks that they got caught kind of a mentality. So I think the problem is much more pervasive than we're willing to admit. I think also, um, I want, cause I do, I do want to have a, have hope for our youth. Cause you don't, I haven't been seeing that a lot with, uh, with bands that are, that are like more like five, 10 years younger than me, uh, with members like that are just, so my, my hope is that there isn't that, that, that isn't happening with some of the bands that are only a few, four or five years out of high school. But, um, I know for a fact that a lot, when I look at the ages of these bands, it's, it's bands, um, of people in their late twenties, early thirties, where 10 years ago, you can, you can a hundred, like I didn't, I wasn't aware, but, but nobody was aware. So people was aware as they are now. So people can get away, I guess in a sense could get away with it. So a lot of those, these bands that have been, you know, five, 10 plus years um, I mean, around are, are now, you know, catching are now catching fire. Yeah, I think a lot of that, I, I, I think we have the younger bands to thank for because they're just not putting up with it. They're not taking any shit, you know, and it, whereas before a lot of these kids were really young and, and maybe weren't in bands and didn't have a platform. Um, but it was their friends that were getting assaulted. It was their, you know, people in their age group, people, their peers, but nobody was listening to them. And now these kids have kind of gotten to the point where they're starting their own bands in there and they're utilizing that platform to, to out these creeps. And I think it's great. And I, and I think, I think it really falls on those of us in that over 30 category to, uh, to change our mindset and, and listen when these kids are telling us, Hey, you know, your friend did this here, here are the people he did it to hold them accountable, you know, cause it shouldn't be on the victims and it shouldn't be on the victims peers. It, it, it's gotta come from us. Yeah. We just... have to do better. We have to pay more attention. Yeah. And that's one thing I want, I want to figure ways of paying more of, of, of having open lines of communication and having this be, you know, a regular thing that we communicate throughout our peers. Cause the one thing, the only thing through this that I've gotten blamed is for not knowing it's cause, cause I'll be, yeah. cause I'll be like, you didn't know. And I'm like, no, I didn't. I'm, I have no excuse except I just didn't. I literally didn't, did not know. Um, cause some- yeah, and I'm, I'm pretty guilty of that one myself. I, 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 I was self-isolating before it was a headline and it's, 
I think as a person in a, in a band and in this scene, I need to take a more active role personally in paying more attention because I'm certain I've shared stages with predators and just not known it. And that, that's such a gross thing to say, you know, like whether directly or indirectly supporting these people and, and just out of my own ignorance. So it's, I, I don't know what the answer is, but I need, I know I need to step up my game too. And I need to be, more attentive and and listen better personally and i think that's something i've been challenging myself to for with just the um with like the protests in general um just just because like on a regular day i'm i'm more of a you know depressed um self-isolating introvert does not mean i shouldn't be standing up like I don't have to go out or go hang out with people, but no matter what, I want I want everyone to have the right to do what they want to go out to go out. So that's where like standing up for um standing against abusers, standing up for um standing with victims, um standing at these protests are important, especially for the people who find it hard to uh get out of bed. Because it's about those other people. It's about human rights. Yeah, and there's a lot of that, I think. Like, I've been really struggling. Um, Real quick, we should mention, Rosh had to leave to go to school. We're not just ignoring him. And uh, We should probably bring that up real quick. Okay. Um, Uh, He's not just sitting there being ignored. (laughs) 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 Yeah, he actually had to leave. To, uh, to get to class. That's fine. So, That's fine. Um, but back on subject. Um, so I am in my late 40s and I am a white cis guy. I've been trying really hard to find ways to help with the protests and help with, you know, all these different actions. But also take a back seat and not add another old white dude voice to the to the conversation because a big part of the problem right now is that the, the, the people that are being directly affected aren't being heard because people in in my demographic are talking too loud. And so I've been doing a lot of behind the scenes stuff. I haven't really been going to protest. Um I've been doing like free design work and, and stuff like that. Like wherever, wherever I can squeeze in and keep my mouth shut, but still help move the movement forward. And so that's been kind of an interesting journey for me, especially having always been kind of the front person of, of every band that I've been in, like being loud and talking is my normal state of being in those kind of situations. And so learning to just be quiet and sit in the back and listen has been really, really powerful for me. And I've, I've probably learned more uh, about 
these kinds of struggles and these kinds of victimizations in the last six weeks than I have in my entire life. And on, on one level, that's really sad to say, and that, that makes me feel like I've been failing and, and missing opportunities for the majority of my life. But on the other hand, like, I'm glad I finally got there. I think for me, like, I, yeah, that's, I think that's a, that's the same way I try and besides my, uh, you know, my public posts, I try trying to not speak loud when you are a, you know, I am the sole host of a podcast or a radio show. And I did the whole, I also did the whole, uh, hardcore vocalist thing for a little while, for a little while too. Uh, knowing exactly when to just shut up and listen is, is very important. Like you said, very powerful. Um, when I was at, um, protests, I've spent most of the time, um, volunteering to, uh, to give out, uh, water and food and stuff to the, uh, and just hang out and just hang out that way with just, just support. Cause I have friends and coworkers who were, who did, who did the same thing. So, um, so I'm like doing doing your best to to also educate yourself. I've been doing that, that as well, and just hearing the people around me and their like what what they have to say and studying further into what really listening and then taking the time to really analyze those words. Yeah, definitely, and I think that's something all of us should be doing. Like. That that's probably one of the more important takeaways, I think, especially for white cis dudes, is just pull it back a little bit, listen, learn. You know, one of the one of the more powerful interactions I had recently was um I accidentally misgendered someone and when they explained to me, you know, what I had done instead of getting defensive and instead of arguing and instead of, you know, you know, even saying, Oh, well, how would I know or whatever? I just went, okay, you're right. And that was it. You know, I just, I, I listened and I just took my ego out of the situation and I think that function is is something that everyone could learn. Just just pull your ego out of it when you know you see so many people get upset, like and somebody will post like a generalization about white people or a generalization about men or a generalization about hardcore bands or whatever and and these people jump on that immediately. They're like, oh, not all, not all. He's like, well, yeah, but it shouldn't be any. So maybe if that doesn't apply to you, just shut up. Yeah, calm down. We're not, then you're not like that. It just, it just like sounds like whining and that you need your, your voice to, that you absolutely as like a white person have to have your voice heard for every situation possible, which is like, right. Yeah, I feel like that's why people get so like I I host shows with um and help with a bunch of other shows with like primarily white people because I live in a small 
white town and where the surrounding where the studio is. So there's some people who still don't get it, you know, and they sometimes let and they, you know, sometimes whine about it and feel like they're somewhat of a of a victim. Like the whole thing is like, man, it sucks to be a to be a, you know, a white guy, a, a white straight guy now. We're we're the enemy, and I'm like, right. calm down. Oh my god, you're not though. They're trying to talk to you, and you're t- and you're and you literally take anybody's complaints at so hypercritical because because you're made of fucking paper mache. Little you fucking you pour a little water on you, and you fucking melt. Poke you, and you fall apart. Calm down. Yeah, that that whole argument is. It's so frustrating to me because it's just like, it's just like, what, what are you really mad at? Like, are you mad because you can't say racially insensitive things and not get called out on it anymore? Like, is that, is that the thing that's upsetting you or what is it? Where, where's your disconnect there? What are you really mad about? Cause I think it has not an enemy or whatever. It's just. It, it, it just. I think it has to do a lot yeah, with. It's, it's, goes back to toxic masculinity and not knowing how to to process your feelings. Also, being raised to to not with a lot of with a lot of straight males not knowing how to deal with their feelings, so they just uh, get mad get mad at the first little sign of criticism. That's just my opinion, though. Yeah, and it's just. It's just such a weird, I forget the actual quote, but it, there's something about, um, oh man, I, I wish I could remember it now. It's something about, I'll just paraphrase it. Basically, white privilege is essentially when equality feels like oppression. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard that I've, I've heard that um a lot something along those lines of quite a few times. Um, but and uh, it's it's kind of true like as the playing field starts to level, people really start showing their true colors. You know, and and that's why I ask, you know, what what's the thing you're really mad about? What's what's the part that's really getting you upset? Is it that think it's i think it's just they don't know and they don't they have they really don't it's just like the whole um the whole make america great again thing you ask somebody you ask somebody that and they they start to fucking unravel because they they actually do when you ask the question when was america great they start to you see they're like there's them start to smoke and their circuits start to break and they're, they look like they're about to have a meltdown. Like most of the time they, I don't, I haven't heard a solid answer to that question for somebody who supports that slogan. Like, right. Yeah. Well, it's because I mean, for the majority of Americans, it's kind of never been great. Like it's just, and I, and I think most people 
know that. You know, they fantasize that they want to go back to this this glorious time that didn't really exist outside of like television. Yeah, I'm 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 very confused about it. Everybody has had probably had their own individual times. There's been times when uh, like economics were good for like a a like a blink of the a blink of an eye for white Americans, but still not right. always great. Uh, so so whatever. I but that's that's where I come with like. When you when you uh, ask these questions, there's always like a lot of like straw man arguments, a lot of deflecting. Um, there's not there's nothing really strong, which like it's very it, it's still something I've been trying to figure out myself of of how. Uh, how to how how to have a real conversation in that in that manner with people that that uh that don't even know how to how to answer those questions <laughs> like yeah, how, I, think, how... I think for a lot of it it just the weird thing about the trump phenomenon is that a significant portion of his base were non-voters previously because no no candidate left or right ever really spoke to them. Yeah. You know, they, they weren't hearing the racist dog whistles. They weren't hearing the sexism, you know, they, they and then all of a sudden here comes this guy who couldn't be further from them you know, in an actual peer group, but he's convinced them that he's just, he's just like them, just like them. And, uh, I actually got, I, I won't call it an argument. I got into a heated conversation with a Trump supporter, you know, and, and that was the, the sticking point for him was that, um, Oh, but he's, you know, he, he, he's just like me. He thinks like me. I'm like, I'm like, how can he be just like you? Like he's never worked a nine to five job. He's never physically himself personally driven a car. Like how can you relate to someone who's never gone grocery shopping for themselves? How can you relate to somebody who's never, you know, done these everyday menial tasks that you have to do to not die. And like this light bulb went off in his head. He was just like, I never even looked at it that way. I never saw it that way. I'm like, yeah, man, he's not like you. He's nothing like you at all. Like he's, he's the exact polar opposite of everything you've had to live through. And uh, it was kind of enlightening to watch this guy's brain turn back on and he stopped just spewing rhetoric and, and talking points and was just like, you know, you're right. He isn't anything like me. He, he's, we have nothing in common. I'm like, okay, so what's the attraction then? What, what's the part of him? His hate that for you think liberals. Is so great? His hate for liberals. That's what it is. His, his, yeah. his fabricated and was, hate for liberals because he was um, Democrat at one point before, like before all this 
before he was pre- he was president before he campaigned years years ago but like there's this extreme just hate for li- for anybody that opposes them that's why and I'm not I don't pl- pick a political um party cuz I don't believe in that shit um they yeah no they're both equally garbage <laughs> but but anybody that opposes a Republican is a liberal. It does not. It's. It does not matter if you oppose one singular view from them. You are a liberal, and that's what it. And that's what it is. They have this mindset that everyone that doesn't agree is a hundred percent against them in any way, and is a and has to be put in that bracket. And. Yeah, that's the thing that's that's so frustrating about civil discourse period right now because that that phenomena exists on you know both sides of the fence like i watched i you, you watch you know the blue wave crowd and and it's the same thing if you have any view that's even remotely conservative oh well then you're a hundred percent trump supporter you know, I, I watched uh, the New Balance shoe boycott was one of the funnier ones for me. Um, yeah, that one was. So the the C. You 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 remember that one when the CEO said like, because Trump wanted to get rid of a certain trade agreement, and the guy was like, "Oh, okay, that's a good idea." Yeah, so... he didn't, and that was it. That's all he said. It was like this one little thing was a good idea. And what was hilarious to me about that is Sanders and Hillary Clinton both campaigned on getting rid of that same trade agreement. Yeah. So and, that was the one thing that all three of them had in common. Well, and, that, and then this guy comes out and says, Oh, this was a good idea. And everybody's like, burn your fucking new balances. Yeah, I know. And there and were, <laughs> We, I had, I think something happened where I got in, one of uh, my partner got into a fight with someone over some new, ba- uh, over owning new balances and stuff like that. Cause there's just, there, there was like a blind, like, just like hatred for, at that point for anyone who was wearing a new, <laughs> wearing new balances. And I, yeah, I had, and it was the weirdest thing because like, he's like, he agreed with one thing and Sanders and Clinton also agreed with that one thing, but it's just everyone has these crazy knee-jerk reactions that you you almost can't have a civil conversation. I've had more completely ridiculous arguments with self-proclaimed leftists than I have Trump supporters, because at least with the Trump supporters, it's just they have their their checklist of talking points, and when they hit the end of what Fox News told them to think, then they're done. And then they call you a name and they leave. But a lot of the, the, you know, the more leftist side of that extreme, they just want to keep fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. And it's, it's so frustrating because there, there is a middle ground for everybody. And somewhere in that spot, we could have 
equality and we can defund the police and we can promote social programs because I think at our core, more of us agree on those things than disagree, but they've become so politicized and politics in and of itself has become almost a sport Agreed. in the way people tag on, you know, um, you know, Oh, I'm, I'm hundred percent Republican period. And I agree with everything, yeah, but, but you don't really, like well, you definitely don't agree that you should be taxed more. Right. Well, no. Okay. So there's a thing that Republicans, nope, nope. So I'm Republican. That's it. And it, but it's the same thing with like the blue wave crowd where it's just like, like obviously anyone with a truly leftist ideal doesn't agree with everything Joe Biden says. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, and but but you know, I remember when I wish I can't remember the senator's name, but there was a a blue wave senator that won, and you know, I was looking at his voting record, and I'm just like, is this really like really? This is we're celebrating this. This guy's a piece of shit. Like he's he's voted against all these progressive ideas. He's he's voted consistently in favor of of you know, militarizing the police and like, really? Like we're excited that this guy and then first session after he got elected, he voted lockstep with Republicans in the house. And, uh, I just, I went on a complete sarcasm tirade where I was just like, Nope, blue wave guys, blue wave. And I just kept posting all these things about his voting record. And, uh, People are like, genuinely upset with me over that. And I'm just like, I'm like, that's ridiculous. Just because he's a Democrat doesn't mean he's a good guy. No, it like, doesn't. Clearly it's not. a bad guy. <laughs> so, yeah, well, that's the whole thing. Like, this whole Black Lives Matter is, is shouldn't be, it's not a, it's not a statement. It shouldn't be a strictly political statement. It is a statement it is a it is a true statement that with about it's a human rights of fact. a yeah. fact with uh it is human rights not this shouldn't be just this is basic human rights this this isn't shouldn't be just this shouldn't be left or right or anything and that's what has disturbed me most about like how the left and right has has taken care has uh has done all all this stuff you know um with you know some with uh the whole i just i know for a fact that there are some that are there's some of these uh companies who have taken a stance on black lives matter that don't actually care but they don't want to get they don't want to get called out for not um i want everyone oh, yeah. to care they for should sure, right. they should care but i know but i but people have gotten mad at me because i'm like i've told them like i know for a fact that there that there are some companies who could give two shits that but they're but they're saying it like the whole the whole role reversal with the whole thing with the with the NFL and stuff that they changed their they changed their kneeling stance conveniently right then they're only caring about who 
they're only caring about who is who is who is yelling the loudest at this at the at this point in time. Yeah, it's it's a financial decision. Yeah, it, it became it became a financial burden to no longer support Black Lives Matter. And and that that was the bottom line was that it was it was going to cost them more money to not say something than it was, you know, to to put out some disingenuous statement, you know, oh, yeah, well, we were wrong. Cool. Change your actual policies. Well, we're not going that far. We can't (laughs) we can't do that. Do you do you so think uh, do you think I believe or give a shit what Jeff Bezos has to say about about this? Oh yeah, <laughs> like you think? Yeah, I mean, and like I, I've seen a bunch of people, you know, praising Target as an example, <laughs> you know, for their being so vocal. I'm like, cool. They're also a hundred percent anti-union, and you know, keeping keeping people in and in particular people of color in poverty is part of the discussion is part of the argument as part of the the items list that needs to change like like you can't you can't pay shit wage and put out a poster about black lives mattering and be taken seriously if you're just going to make a you just can't. make a quick disingenuous statement they're, they will make any statement they can to keep their capitalistic society alive. And that's that's basically all. It comes down to profit margins. It was it was going to cost shareholders more to stay silent than than it would have to put out, you know, a quick little graphic and a disingenuous apology. So, yeah, it's the whole thing is ridiculous. Well, yeah, because it was like. I think there was a one uh, one dude who was like, "I want, I just want to matter. I don't give a shit about the goddamn Paw Patrol cop dog, uh, like changing. I want you guys to actually pay attention to the movement." And yeah, and that's the thing. Like we, <laughs> we the the reaction to this and the things that are getting praised are so meaningless. Like. I did, like he said. I okay, didn't. so we we canceled some cop shows. We canceled whatever, but none of that none of that changes the systematic racism. None of that changes the fact that during a peaceful vigil, cops in riot gear came up and and pushed people out of a park who were playing violins. You know, I mean, it's just every day we see these these cops in military garb. Proving over and over and over again why their why their department should be defunded and why other systems need to be set up to handle certain situations, but but hey, we we took cops off the air, so let's let's pat ourselves on the back. And then and it's then some infuriating. People, well, and then some. That's where I don't agree with liberals because then they're like they see some things. They see a couple headlines of things that possibly have will happen like the defending uh or the disbanding of Minneapolis uh, police force and some of them will probably not pay attention to it and they'll see that and be like some white liberals will pat themselves on the back and be like all right good job let's move on 
and yeah no and that's <laughs> yeah everybody everybody's super ready to quit at step one like they and do. it's you know there's absolutely uh, it's frustrating it is frustrating so we have reached the end um thank you for uh taking this time for this long um conversation um yeah i i appreciate it um back to your band i fucking um i love the i love the full length i love the uh i got the vinyl um i love i love the blue good color um that it's just a good it's just a good record overall um i hope i appreciate that, that. i hope much. that there's a chance that you get to uh play these songs live i know you are you are dying to uh to rock a stage with this material yeah we've got we've got some stuff in the works um there's a promoter in town here that's doing online shows and so we're going to participate in one of those and I, i can keep you updated on that um but yeah, I'm I'm dying to get out and just play this record for people. Yeah, no, and we'll definitely boost that uh, live show if it uh, when it happens. Um, but yeah, no, it's really cool. Um, any last things you would like to say before we uh, get on to some music? Uh, just thanks for having us. I, this was a lot of fun. I, it's such a it's such a weird time you know like this this conversation would have been so cool to happen in person like i would have i would have loved for us to like just play the show in in seattle or something and got to sit down and chat with you but it's cool that it that we were able to make it happen and make it work through technology i just i think that's it was it was a lot of fun for us so thanks for having us absolutely um we're gonna we're gonna play uh the song we talked about uh western weapons um never drown at sea and uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to Dead Air, two hours of hardcore radio.
Well, here goes. Flower Chains Collective. I felt like I was watching a dream I'd never wake up from. DIY clothing you can't get anywhere else. Now you have something to look forward to after you die. Information at flowerchains.us.
All right, we're here at the end of episode 97 of Dead Air. Shout out to uh, Jim and Rash from The Scattering. If you haven't checked out um, their sinking LP, definitely go give it a full listen. They have uh, physical copies on their Bandcamp, and definitely should check it out if you like it, if you're down for um, that dark, um, abrasive, uh, metallic hardcore and if you don't then you should just listen to it listen to a really good uh, no filler record and with some cool breakdowns that uh, remind me of some indecision and most precious blood and uh, we talked a little bit like there's definitely a cursed uh, influence uh, some stuff reminiscent of uh of Dead Guy and Kiss a Goodbye as well. I uh, talked a little bit about that. Some stuff we didn't get on uh, on air just because sometimes you get some little gold nuggets uh, after that, which is weird. Which It's just weird how that happens. Um, so moving forward from that, after we, uh, we played Scattering Weapons, Western Weapons Never Drown at Sea. We played music from Locked Up on Blind Rage Records, um, a five-song EP uh, of just straightforward power violence. Um, I'm not the um, best advocate for all things um, uh, power violence, but uh, this is uh, what I expect when I do listen to the records that I do like from uh, Power Violence, my knowledge is not, is uh, my, I don't have a wellspring of knowledge, but this is one of those genres where I like what I like, and Locked Up is uh, five songs that are straightforward and what I expect 
as far as song links um, for our originals. And then w- the final song is a cover of Rudimentary Penai, um, Cosmic Play, Cosmetic Plague, I mean. So uh, if you haven't checked it out, check it out on Blind Rage. Um, you can also, I believe, do they have uh, do they have tapes? Don't know yet. But I'm sure they will in the future. And uh, ordering, it says ordering info soon. And this is going to be a part two of, uh, this is part two of uh, of a three record series for this band. So check it out. Um, Blind Red Records has a lot of cool stuff. So after that, um, we played Controller um, with their promo 2020. They're uh, a band out of Allentown, Pennsylvania um, that plays their own kind of uh, cross crossover um, with a with definitely a more hardcore hardcore than thrashier feel. I would say crossover with a more hardcore heavy influence leans towards the hardcore with with still a uh, with a crossover sound. Um, check that out for free on Bandcamp. After that, um, we go all the way to Melbourne, Australia with uh, Geld. They have an upcoming um, LP titled Beyond the Floor. Um, also can get through Stack Shock Records. They uh, have a 12-song tw- LP, 100% of the digital sales will go to war, which is warriors for the Aboriginal resistance. Um, and, uh, this is a, a really cool uh, thing. A collective of young Aboriginal people committed to the cause of decolonization and the philosophy of Aboriginal nationalism, resistance and revival Geld staunchly supports all organizations working to dismantle colonial racism and decolonize Australia. So uh, check it out. Also, there's a, it's also through Iron Lung as well, as Static Shock. So check that out. It'll be a uh, full song, full um, record will be out very soon. And as if you're listening to this on, um, if you're listening to this on podcast, you'll probably it's probably already out for you guys, and uh, just very very um, another really abrasive sounding band that's really um, fast, um, metallic, and a little bit of I will a little metal influence, and just very fast, noisy, and angry. So. Uh, check it out they're self-titled as psychedelic hardcore after that um we played the band speed also from australia on last ride records and also through flat spot we played devil you know definitely this this more reminds me of um kind of uh the 2008 to 2012 style of tui with uh Secrets of the World as um and uh as well as Big Kiss Goodnight. 
um, they definitely have um, Australia definitely goes towards a heavier sound as Australia always does, but you can definitely hear some things that they have um, taken from those sounds and taken um, from the vocal inflections to the rhythmic style vocals and to just the rhythm of all of the arrangement of this music. So check it out as a two song flexi. Like I said, it is um, through last ride records in Australia, as well as flat spot in the U S and then we're going to end with some music from bitter truth from grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, this music kind of reminds me of a little bit of the uh, early tw- 2010s of uh, stuff kind of kind of reminiscent for me of wrong answer definitely has a kind of straightforward um mosh hardcore but still fast with punk with punk roots so the three song ep is titled the voice of the unheard it's another song another uh ep that is just really quick to the point um no filler and gets what they what they want um heard so all uh proceeds of this ep will be donated to the michigan solidarity bail fund so donate some stuff donate some money listen to this and uh support the band so that's all we got for uh this episode We'll be uh we'll be back next week. You're listening to Dead Air, two hours of hardcore radio. <laughs>